Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. Uh, you know, I, I look around. I've seen some, some faces I haven't seen in a long time, or I don't know if I've, if I've seen before. Uh, if you would just take a minute and turn and welcome your neighbor. Uh, I know everybody wants to see the baby, but don't touch the baby. You, you can look at the baby. But <laughs> so please, you know, turn and, and, and welcome a neighbor. Say hello. Good to see you. We're glad you're here. I'm glad all of you are here today. Once you get them started, you can't reel them back in. You know how it is. You know. <laughs> we have a new couple back there from the, the car show. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I'd like to welcome, you know, several of you. I know we had some uh, some friends from the who were here from the car show and and some of the other things, and and it's just uh, wonderful to have you here today. Uh, especially being Thanksgiving, and you know, it's a, it's that time of year where we start to, you know, think back a little bit on things that we're thankful for. And I got a big surprise this morning. Now, you all have been so kind to me the last couple of years, and uh, and I've gotten some neat gifts and things, and I'm I'm thankful for all of them and thankful for all of you. But today, I got an interesting uh, gift. If, if you haven't noticed, I tend to talk about football a lot in my uh, messages, and uh, this is an autographed football, the Cleveland Browns, the 1994 Browns, that's back when they were good. <laughs> Ernest Biner, oh yeah, touchdown Tommy Vardell, I remember him, I wish he could have scored more touchdowns for us, but, but anyways, this, uh, this is from Sylvia, and she got this... Uh, Actually, this was Don Blacks, and if you know anything, if you remember Don, those of you who, who remember Don, he uh, used to love to enter uh, sweepstakes, sweepstakes, and uh, don't fumble. <laughs> he used to uh, enter sweepstakes all the time, and he won that. I think he won a trip up to the game, and a, you sit in the press box, and, and then an autographed football. And well, I'm thankful for for that, and I'm I'm also was thankful for Don Black in my life. I think back on you know people who you know do little things for you here and there. And when I was a kid, uh, first started coming to church. One day, I don't know why, Neil and I ended up over. at Sylvia and Don's house. Sometimes the youth would go over there for something. And I had heard somewhere along the line that Don had this toy collection. And growing up, I used to collect comic books and cards, and we would go off to these, we called them paper shows, you know, we'd sell comics and Delta and my friends and my cousins and I. So I was like, collection, yeah, I want to go see this. So I went down to the basement, and there was just 
toys, these little matchbox cars and stuff and all different kinds of things that he was interested in. I was like, wow, this is cool. Because I felt like, this, this is me. I love this. You love this stuff. And then he had this desk, and he had some stuff scattered on it. And I looked, and there was his Bible. It was open. And for the first time, I began to realize, you know, these people, they're, they're genuine. They don't just talk about God at church and have little youth nights. This guy actually reads the Bible on his own time. And I'll never forget that and, and uh, you know, what an impact that that made on me. You know, just the idea of going down and looking at the toys. But, but there was just you know, an authentic moment and something I was always thankful for. Because that was the first time I realized you know, people really are authentic around here. People really do believe and people really do carry that with them into everything that they do. So Sylvia, thank you so much. That, that, that means a lot to me. Well, I'm a history teacher, so being a holiday and all, I got to say a little bit about Thanksgiving. And The following proclamation was made by Governor Bradford in 1623, three years after the pilgrims settled at Plymouth. And he goes like this, To all ye pilgrims, inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the raids of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience, now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and ye little ones, do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of nine and twelve in the daytime on Thursday, November ye 29th of the year of the Lord, 1623. And the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye Plymouth Rock. <laughs> There to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for his blessings. There you go. That first thanksgiving. Now life was pretty rough for the pilgrims, we know. But in a way, life was a lot less complicated. I mean, just make sure you got food and you know, try to keep everybody healthy. And you know, when, you, when you have your priorities you know, properly placed... You, you, life's a little bit clearer, you know, on what your purpose is. And here they had made it three years, and that was not uh, an easy task. Uh, we know, you know, many of the Puritans, uh, the Jamestown colony, they all failed. Uh, they had a horrible first year or two. A lot of people died. Here are the pilgrims, you know, they're, they're doing okay. You know, it's interesting, and I... I always think about, you know, how eternal God is. And, you know, the same God I worship today in 2018, he's the same God that these pilgrims worshipped in 1623. He hasn't changed. It's the, he's the same God. He was there with them, just like he's with us today. In Ephesians, Paul tells Christians to speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving 
thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've talked about this, you know, in the, the past months, you know, to be thankful for things that happen and that God is with us through all things, even the bad. He's still there with us. He hasn't left us. He's not abandoned us. But it is right that we acknowledge that in life there are many joyous things as well. Sometimes Christians, uh, you know, one of the turnoffs, I guess, that non-Christians have is, you know, that I've had my, some friends tell me, you Christians always look like you're bummed out all the time. Walk around like this. At least I'm forgiven, you know. And, and they're like, "Well, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem real uh, real exciting to me. You know, it doesn't seem real fun." And, and you guys are always, you know. But I think this is kind of what Paul references here. We're to give thanksgiving for the good things. It's okay to proclaim thanksgiving for the blessings that God has given to us. Paul's subject is, is the idea of praise. In uh, 1 Thessalonians, it says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Think about those words, always, continually, in all circumstances. It sounds like you know Paul's talking about a church service here. You know, sing and make music and and, and uh, continually, but he's really not. He's talking about life outside of the, the, the service, life in everyday, for everyday Christians. This is a continual attitude for Christians. It's an attitude of the heart to be thankful to God for the blessings that he has you know, bestowed upon us. You know, how are we to uh, you know, keep that, that attitude especially in all circumstances. In all of our lives, things happen where you feel as if, I can't give thanks for this. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. This is horrible. How am I supposed to give thanks for that? But yet, this is what Paul says, in all circumstances. And I think the answer to that lies in our, our perspective. The way that we see this idea of of thanksgiving. You know, we need the proper perspective for it to, to make any sense. I read this letter from this kid who, uh, and we talk about this in psych sometimes, it's kind of funny. One lady wrote home from college, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had the fire. We were lucky. A, a young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I, I moved in with him. He's been so nice. And I have to admit that we're planning on getting married just as, just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write more when I get the chance. Love your daughter, Susie. P.S. None of the above is true. But I did get a C in sociology and flunk chemistry. 
I just wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. <laughs> I've seen kids do that at school, you know. You know, we have to be thankful in all circumstances. We need a proper perspective, however, of those, those circumstances and, you know, and of our God. Only then we'll be able to give thanks, I think, in all, all things. And, you know, of course, our, our attitudes sometimes steal away our joy, take away our, our need to give thanks. To God, and one of those is pride, and you know of a lot of the the sins that are you know pride is one that I've dealt with. Others have continue to deal with it, and it's sort of the attitude that look, nobody's ever given me anything. I worked hard for everything that I have. For years, I studied hard. I went to school. I got the job. I got the the career now, and I've worked and I've got all this stuff and. And I did it myself, and I didn't need any help. Why should I be thankful to anybody? I'm thankful for me and my hard work. That's a, an attitude of pride. And I think that, that that attitude can get in the way of, of allowing us to give thanks back to God for his blessings in order to recognize from God that you have been blessed. It's good to give thanks. Another attitude is one of, you know, sometimes even carelessness. Sort of a flippant attitude towards, towards life. Someone once said if the stars only came out once a year, we'd stay out all night to watch them. But they're out there every night and we've grown accustomed to them, so we ignore them and not a big deal. You know, the Israelites had this problem too. And... Uh, you know, we've talked about the, the fact that they were wandering in the desert, didn't have a lot of food, didn't have a lot of water. You know, basic survival is a big deal. So God miraculously sent manna to, to cover the ground each day, except for the Sabbath day. And manna was this kind of a crusty, bread-like, kind of a flaky thing. I, th I always thought of it as like an English muffin or something. Flaky goodness, you know, and you got your... So they'd go out in the morning and pick up English muffins and you know, run around and, and eat. And... and here they'd had a miracle from God, straight from God himself. And, but they started to grumble because, look, it's the same thing every day. Manna, manna, manna. How many ways can you make manna? You know, you got any recipes for manna? I mean, I don't know what you do with it. You... You cook it? Do you, you boil it? Do you, I mean, who knows what you do with manna? But because of pride and because of a, you know, the, this, this flippant attitude, this critical spirit, they were never really thankful for all that God had given to them. I mean, this was a miracle from heaven. To wake up and, and look out and look at all the food. But even that wasn't good enough for them over time. Their blessings had gotten stale to them. They didn't want to, to thank God for that. Rudyard Kipling was a great writer and a poet whose writings are very famous. Some of our kids at school are reading some Kipling right now. And unlike many old writers, Kipling was one of a few who 
had the opportunity to enjoy success while he was alive. I never realized it, but a lot of the, the most famous writers, a lot of them never saw very much money at all from their, from their work. It was only after they were gone that you know, these things took off and became popular. But Kipling made a great deal of money from his trade, and one time a newspaper reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling... I've just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 a word. Mr. Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, Really? Well, I, I wasn't aware of that. The reporter cynically reached down into his pocket and pulled out a $100 bill. There is a giant stink bug crawling here on my... What do, what do they tell you to do in preacher school, Russ, when stink bugs attack? <laughs> Get thee away. Get thee behind me, stink bug. <laughs> Anyways, the reporter pulls out a $100 bill and says, Mr. Kipling, here's $100. Now give me one of your $100 words. Kipling looked at the $100 bill for a minute, took it, and he folded it put it in his pocket and said, thanks. <laughs> you know, his word, the, the, the word thanks is certainly a hundred dollar word. In fact, some would say it's, it's a million dollar word. How many times do you wish people would tell you thank you for when you've done something for them? A lot of times you, we don't hear that. If we'd all adopt this attitude of thanksgiving into our lives, I think our lives would, would change. One of the, uh, one of the songs that uh, we used to sing, we used to have years ago, we'd call it Sunday School Opening, and we'd sing these little, basically they were campfire songs, I think. There was this one, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, and we'd sing that over and over. And that's, that's directly out of Psalm 107, which talks about, you know, enter with thanksgiving. Not complaining. I will enter with his gaze with complaining in my heart. You know, but a lot of us do that, you know. With a lot of pride, da, 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 you know. But, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. We should express our thanks to God. And two others. If you have your Bibles today, the, the story I want to look at a little bit closer is in Luke chapter 17. Now, if you're a new Christian or you're not sure what you know, these Bible things, Luke is uh, a book in the New Testament. It was written by a man who had very carefully gone around and had interviewed many of the disciples. He had watched and he wrote a very detailed account of some of the, the things about the life of Jesus and in Luke chapter 17, there's a story about ten lepers. Now, leprosy, of course, in those days was a dreaded disease. It was something that people feared greatly. If you had leprosy, a lot of times you would be forced to move and go to a leper colony. You know, you would be off with other people who had it. Uh, people were scared. It would make you unclean. It would, you know... All these horrible things. 
Luke chapter 17, verse 11, while he, talking about Jesus, while he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Can you imagine the, the shock? And they all ran off. And... Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, to Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. Of course, Samaritans were looked down upon by... Uh, uh, the Jewish people. Samaritans were treated sort of like a stray dog in society. They're just there. You just tolerate them. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. What a beautiful story. What an interesting story. Here we have nine lepers who had been cleansed by Jesus. He says, go, tell the, the priests. And as they start to go, they're, they're, they're cleansed. Oh my, and they run off and it doesn't really say if they ever ran to the priests or not. They just took off. Happy to have received a blessing, a miracle, and they were gone. But this one man, seeing what had happened to him, he turned to the Lord and he fell on his face, <laughs> almost as if to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I praise you. I don't know what to say. Have you ever been in that situation? I've been there lots of times. Turn to God and want to thank him. Turn to his son Jesus, and I just don't have the words. You know, God appreciates thanksgiving. Jesus, through his attitude here, was demonstrating the way that the Father thinks about us. He's thankful. God appreciates that thanksgiving. It lifts him up, it glorifies him. Thanksgiving endears him to us. It draws us closer. You know, if we're not grateful, if we don't express that thanksgiving, it can actually have the opposite effect. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, For although they know God, they neither glorified Him as God nor give thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. These were people who knew who God was. They were so spoiled with their blessings, they ran off, didn't acknowledge God. Very similar, I would imagine, to these lepers. They may have recognized who Jesus was. They may have even recognized the miracle that had occurred to them. But they didn't glorify God through his son. They didn't give thanks to Jesus for what had happened. I would imagine their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened and they ran away. 
kind of frightening because it seems to imply that people who are ungrateful to God are at risk of falling away from Him. Their hearts will become hardened. Here we see pride keeping people from worshiping and being thankful. These people had run away from Christ except for the one. The one who was a Samaritan, who was looked down upon in society, the one who probably understood what had happened the most, had been uh, lived a life of abuse, probably had lived a life of discrimination, and probably really appreciated the miracle more than anybody else. I mean, there's a saying, you know, when you sit at the table, nobody's more thankful for food than those who know what it's like to go without it. You know, there are lots of different ways we can thank God for the blessings that he's given to us. I don't want to be like one of the ten lepers who receives a blessing and then runs off you know, happy, and, and, but, but forgetting to acknowledge the one who has made all of that, that possible. Spending time with God is a way of saying thank you. When you forgive somebody else, somebody who doesn't deserve it, I forgive you. In a way, that's giving thanks to God. When you serve in His church, when you give the best that you can, to God, when you help a hurting, another hurting person. That's thanksgiving. It's interesting, the word thanksgiving. It's two words, thanks and giving. And we're good at the giving thanks. And let's all give thanks, and we pray to God and give thanks. And what about the giving part? Now, I know the word really means an attitude of thanksgiving, but... Attitude is something that you should express. In this case, through the giving. How do we know that people in this church love God and worship God? Because we filled up about 100 boxes, 65 boxes of shoe boxes for kids we don't even know. Because we took care of Alice when Pete was gone. When a lot of people had a lot of nice things to say when a, when the new baby was born. People are acting in the name of Jesus. And in doing so, they're giving thanks. That's thanksgiving. Giving a part of yourself in ministry to somebody else. That's demonstrating an attitude of giving thanks. You know, this Thanksgiving week... Some things to think about, I would, you know, think about the blessings of life. Think about the blessings of life. You know, I really hate doing dishes. I, I try to do the dishes when I can. Uh, you know, Neola hates doing them too. Uh, certainly the kids hate them. I don't, you know, once in a blue moon, one of them will, will jump in there and jump in the sink, but you know, it's interesting though, you know, Neola, she hates doing those dishes. I think she hates the, 
making lunch for all of us. I mean, it's funny. We went through, all the kids went through school, and, uh, and I've taught for 23 years, and we always just bought lunch. Now, all of a sudden, we're all packing. Guess who's doing all the packing? That's right, Neola. But she makes sure that everybody has something good to eat, that something's in there. Because if you haven't eaten in the school cafeteria lately, ugh. <laughs> you, if you can't pour it out of a box and heat it up, that you can't eat it, you know. So, but it's interesting, you know. She'll stay up late at night, and she'll be down there, and I know she's in there putting the, the, these meals together and packing them up in this into the lunch box. And when she does that, I give thanks. Not because I'm not the one doing it, but, but I... No, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. We're blessed. I hate doing the dishes, but I thank God for a sink full of dirty dishes. What does that mean? A sink full of dirty dishes means we've been blessed. We've got more food than we probably deserve. We have more water and milk and things than what we probably deserve. Do you realize that two-thirds of the world will go to bed hungry tonight? And here I've got an obscene amount of dirty dishes stacked up in the sink. I should be thankful to God. I don't know why I'm blessed and others aren't. But I thank God for my blessings. Count your blessings. Think about them. Name them out. It's like the little song goes. There's another little camp song. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Do, 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 do. Something about what God's done or something like that. <laughs> a lot of you mm-hmm, yeah. I'm thankful we got dirty clothes. That means we got clothes to wear. Well, Paul encourages us to give thanks in all circumstances. And that's a tough one, because the burdens of life are real. We've all been through things that, that are not fun, that we don't want to give thanks for, but God says give thanks in all circumstances. You might think Paul's made a mistake here. That might be easy for Paul to say. And Paul's like, he's like the super missionary. He's like the... The number one guy, he's super blessed. We've talked about Paul many times. Paul has suffered from difficult problems. He called it a thorn in the flesh. We're not sure exactly what that was, whether it was some sort of, uh, 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 whether it was relationship issue. Some people suggest there was people in the church giving him a hard time and it was just driving him crazy. Others believe it was you know, he had some sort of compulsive sin that he, he constantly dealt with. Others believe it was a physical ailment. We don't know, but the point is, Paul was suffering, and God was not helping him with that. God basically said, Look, my grace is sufficient. You're hurting, I know that. But I'm not taking that from you. Paul had been run out of town. He'd been beaten. He'd been whipped. He was thrown in jail. He was betrayed by his friends. He says he had been naked. He had been cold. He had been hungry. 
uh, it mentions that he'd been shipwrecked and stoned. That's where they throw rocks at you until you, you're almost dead. Yet Paul never stopped giving thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. Paul said several things that really show he had a, a real proper perspective about the, the burdens of life. In Romans chapter 8, he mentions, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy, not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. 2 Corinthians, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Strong in the Lord. When we, like Paul, have the proper perspective, we can begin to give thanks in all different things. I, uh, I, my next door neighbor, I love, love her, um, Mrs. Rader. Mrs. Rader is 99. She's 99. She still lives at home. Uh, her family comes and checks on her a couple times a day, you know, so it's a, it's a family thing, but, you know, I, I, I just know that with her attitude about life, you know, um, one of the things we talk about in psychology, I talk about in, um, in that class and I've read about is, you know, as people approach their twilight years, one of the, the, the needs, one of the challenges is to, to look back on your life and, and be able to answer the idea of, was it worth it? Did it matter? Did I live my life with integrity? Yeah, I had some bad things happen, but man, I had some great things too. And I look back on my life now, and if something were to happen, I have no regrets. I've lived a good life. What more could you ask for out of life? That's my goal. I, I pray to God all the time, God, you know, if I'm blessed to, to make it, I want to look back on my life and say, wow, what a great life. I can check out any time. Man, I'm ready because I've lived a great life. I lived. I was loved. I found a, a, a home. I, my life mattered in the, in, in the lives of other people. Um, I, what else can I ask for? That's my neighbor, Helen. That's a lady that she's lived her life with. It's a life of integrity. But I've known other people who look back with despair. Look back with, oh my gosh, I'm at the end. And I've wasted it. There are no do-overs. I can't go back. What do I do then? The benefits of a life well lived, and I'm not talking about physical comforts, but being able to look back in your life and say, I lived a life worthy of the Lord. I gave my life to Him. I served other people. I've done these things, and despite all the good and the bad, I have an attitude of thanksgiving. That's what I hope to strive for. 
It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive, to, to, to feel what life gives, the wind in your face. You know, it is a gift. It's a gift from God. I think about the idea of the breath of life, and I, I got on this tangent. Actually, it was because of Maley, Maley's birth. I think about the breath of life and just what a miracle that is. Some kid at school asked me, what's it like when a kid's born? Do they really come out looking like a lizard? I'm like, well, yeah, they're pretty nasty looking. You know, I won't sugarcoat it for you, but yeah. And, uh, but to me, the, the most moment of greatest, I don't know how to put it, anticipation maybe, nervousness, is when the baby just comes out and the doctor holds it up and you're looking at it and you're like, come on, baby, come on, breathe, take a breath. Come on, baby. And they just sit there and, and look at you. And the doctor's like, do you want to cut the cord? I'm like, I don't care about that. I just want to see the baby breathe. You know. And then after that first breath, they take that first breath and that oxygen goes into their lungs and their heart begins to, to continue to beat, and that there's a, a what do they call it, a valve in your heart that flips. It's like magic. It's a miracle. It's as if God says, "Breath of life," and that blood starts pumping the correct way, and that oxygenated blood starts flowing through the body, and that baby turns pink. What a miracle! What a way to give thanksgiving. To God, it's good to be alive. It's good to see the breath of life into a, into a new life. Stealing my thunder. <laughs> I've been with people at the other end of life too when the breath of life was taken. And I've seen that last breath leave. And to look back on their life and to think about that, that God only gives a certain amount of time. But while we have that breath in our lungs, while that breath of life is with us, it's good to be alive. It's a blessing. I thank God every day that I'm alive. What an adventure. Now I know we've all had difficult times. At times you can despair, even of life itself. I'm fortunate. I've not been sick. I've had a few heart things that kind of had me worried a little bit, but I've seen people with, with terrible diseases, terrible things, who are in horrible pain. But I still believe that life is a gift. And that it's something that's worthy of us giving thanks to God. And that we should give thanks to God. Don't feel guilty because you're alive, because you live a good life. Be blessed because of that. That's the mark of a growing Christian. You know, when I think about the, uh, the ten lepers, 
Nine of them ran off and they're so ungrateful as to what had happened. And I thought about, you know, you know, babies again. Babies are ungrateful. I'm sorry, Kirsten, your baby, uh, you know, you're going to change a bunch of diapers. Uh, that baby might get a little colicky. And you'll be up all night trying to get that baby to go back to sleep. And, you know, what are you going to get out of it? They're not going to tell you. Thank you. <laughs> they probably might even cry more. This is the thanks I get. Kids have to be taught to be thankful. Sometimes it doesn't come naturally. We're like that with God a lot of times. How many times has God blessed us, taken care of us, done things for us? And we just go right on like these lepers who ran off. You know, just as our congregation has grown, so of our needs... Just as God has blessed us, so should we bless His work by our giving to be thankful in all things. I'm thankful that so many of you took opportunity to take care of Alice. That makes me happy because it tells me, you know, some of the things I've preached about, uh, either they already had all that and I wasted my time or there were people listening. That makes me feel good to see a church that gives and is thankful. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Think about that this week. When you're sitting at Thanksgiving, do you have any perfect gifts given to you by God? Do you have any of those good gifts in your life, take a moment and recognize that those good gifts, those perfect gifts, they came down from, from the Father. Thanksgiving is a mark of a growing Christian, a giving Christian, a Christian who recognizes that in all things. Give thanks. Give thanks to God our Father, who has given to all of us every good and perfect gift. All of it coming down from the Father of lights. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. Help me to be more than just thankful, more than to just say it, but help me to live it. God, I, I thank you for all of these, these people here and the gift of life, the gift of, of service, of doing something in the name of Jesus for somebody who we love. God, we love you and we thank you for that. Help us to remember to not take for granted that every good and perfect gift that you've bestowed upon us. But help us to be thankful this week and to remember that you love us and that you care for us in all times and through all things. Father, we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen.